Yeah, and I think you know, I, I think it's true. If you go to if you go to Instagram or if you Google comfort zone. In fact, that was one of the first things I did when I started writing the book. I was just curious. I Googled comfort zone, and you see comfort zones get a really bad rap. You know, like nothing good lives in your comfort zone, or you know, life begins on the edge of your comfort zone, or whatever. It is. You know, and, and I and, and, and as an aside, and I'll get to the question of why it's hard, but I also, and this is sort of connected to that. I definitely don't want people listening to this to think to themselves, "Oh my gosh." You know, I have to start jumping outside my comfort zone in every possible situation now. And, you know, that is not my message. Mm. Um, I think you need to pick your spots. Um, you know, I think it's absolutely worthwhile. And you can, you'll probably surprise yourself at it, what you're able to achieve. But you do need to pick your spot. So light them up. What is going on, my friends? Thank you so much for joining yours truly, Ryan Caligiuri, on this week's episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where every single week, I'm condensing a book down to its core golden nuggets. I'm bringing the author on the show to have a conversation about those golden nuggets, and I'm here every single week just trying to teach you something, bring some new information to you, and save you a little bit of time. So before I, well, actually, I'll start this off first, but um, definitely, you guys, definitely, if you haven't got your ratings and your reviews in, get your ratings in, get your reviews in, because next week, I'm doing the draw for the um, the MacBook Air. So definitely get your ratings in. I don't care if you're listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, whatever app you're listening on, just write a rating, write a review, and send me an email, ryan.caligariatme.com with that screen capture, and I'll make sure you get put into the draw. So next week I'm doing that draw, and after that I'll come up with a new prize for uh, next quarter anyways. So i got to give a quick shout out. You know, I always, I always say the one reason why I do this podcast is just because it gives me an opportunity to share information with people who might want to hear it. To me, it's just a great opportunity for me to also connect with a lot of people who are out there right now. And i got to give a shout out to a couple people. First off, um, Billy Sullivan. Man, thank you so much for your note. Um, I get so many different letters every single day and then just like some of them stand out quite a bit. And so i got to say, Billy, thank you so much for your your note. It really means a lot to me. And uh, the other one, i got to give a shout out to my girl, Ricky Lee Roman. Um, Thank you so much. Obviously, you know, you saw my response to you on Facebook there, but... It truly means a lot to me when you all reach out to me, you let me know how the podcast is affecting your life, how it's um, you know helping you learn, how it's helping to bring new information to you. And that's what I'm trying to do every single week. I'm just trying to bring new information to you. So for me, one of the biggest things that maybe I'm missing out on is the dialogue, the connection that I have with all of you who are listening. And I always say email me, but email's one thing, but to me, I really feel like I got to leverage. It's funny. It's like I'm a marketing guy and yet it's the shoe cobbler's kids who don't have shoes kind of thing. I got to put some time and some love and some energy into my social presence. This whole podcast has pretty much grown organically. You know, we're up to almost 400,000 downloads an episode now and uh, it's all been organic and it's all been through word of mouth. So thank you to every single one of you for sharing this podcast with everyone. But, um, you know, Ricky Lee reminded me today about the importance of connecting with people, having that dialogue, having that conversation. So uh, I'm going to be definitely putting some more effort into my social presence on Facebook. I'm going to open up that as a group and have this dialogue going more frequently. It's funny, when I was sick uh, two weeks ago in uh, coming back from Puerto Vallarta, I received maybe 400 plus emails from people saying, hey, where are you? How are you? If I had just had my social media presence going, then I would have just put it there and you guys could have all seen it. So um, a good reminder to me to uh, definitely make sure that my, uh, my, my, my kids as a shoe cobbler have some shoes. So 
Hopefully you guys get that reference. But in any case, I just want to say thank you to everybody who reaches out to me and uh, shares with me your personal stories about how the podcast is affecting you or how I'm just becoming a part of your, your, your routine. So, so definitely let me know those stories. They truly mean a lot to me and they definitely keep me going, keep me motivated. Definitely, if you're going to follow me on anything, follow me on LinkedIn, follow me on Instagram and follow me on Facebook. This week, I'm going to be putting some more love into that and really uh, optimize it to make sure that it's facilitating better dialogue. So um, again, thank you so much to everybody. So this week, what are we talking about? This week, we're talking about a solid book, a book by Andy Malinsky, and it's called Reach, a new strategy to help you step outside of your comfort zone, rise to the challenge, and build confidence. Now, come on, with a tagline like that, how do you not want to listen to this book? It's a great conversation that Andy and I had, and really funny, Andy and I, we have been trying to get together for, and I'll, I'll mention this in the very beginning of the podcast as well, but we've been trying to get together for, God, it's maybe been two months that we were trying to get together, and just, you know, I had to cancel on him, he had to cancel on me, I had to cancel on him, he had to cancel on me, our schedules didn't work out, and eventually he said, you know what, maybe, maybe it's just not going to work out, maybe we should try for the new year, and I said, no, we're going to make it happen before the new year, so here's what happened. I made it work, but 10 minutes before I'm going to go live with Andy, my microphone dies. Of course. I don't know why this stuff happens, but my mic dies. And um, brutal timing. It's the second mic I've gone through in the past like three months. So really crappy timing. But anyways, I could not cancel this one. So I uh, ended up running it on the mic on my laptop. So really, um, uh, the sound isn't that good. But definitely, if you can just get past the sound, listen to the content, listen to what Andy has to say, listen to our dialogue, because that's truly where the value's at. And also, actually, through that problem, I came up with an idea. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to transcribe every single one of these podcasts, and I'm going to make that available. Obviously, just exchange your email in, um, in exchange for it, and I'll send you the transcription of every single episode Um every single week. And I think that could be a nice little tool, a nice little takeaway for you. You might want to highlight it, dog ear it, and uh, maybe just keep it for your own personal reference. But in any case, the sound on this one, it's not great, but the content is obviously amazing. Andy is just a wealth of knowledge. And the topic is one that's near and dear to my heart, talking about stepping outside of your comfort zone, how to do it, how to challenge yourself, how to build confidence. These are things that we all need to know to succeed and win at life. So give it a listen. Let me know what you think, and I really hope you enjoy it. But I'll catch you back here on the end of the episode. Enjoy, you guys. Andy, how you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. I was, we were just talking beforehand. Andy and I have been trying to get together to do this podcast for, I don't know, been like a month, two months trying to get this. <laughs> it, has been, it has been a while, but I'm excited to be here. Absolutely perfect. Well, Andy, you know, why don't we kick things off by um, letting the, uh, the listeners tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and uh, why you wrote the book Reach, a new strategy to help you step outside your comfort zone, rise to the challenge, and build confidence. Yeah, so I am uh, by day, I guess I'm a professor uh, of organizational behavior and international management. I'm a Brandeis University uh, at the International Business School in Boston, uh, but I guess by night or by other times, I'm, uh, I am I do a lot of um, uh, writing and consulting and teaching and training uh, sort of outside the university. So I've written a couple of books. I've written a book, Global Dexterity, about stepping outside your cultural comfort zone. That was with Harvard Business Press, uh, Harvard Business Review Press, I'm sorry. I've written uh, Reach, which is the book we'll talk about today, which came out earlier this year with Penguin Random House about stepping outside your comfort zone. Um, I, I do all sorts of other writing for Harvard Business Review and Inc.com and Psychology Today. And um, 
and I do teaching and training in organizations and with individuals. So, uh, and speaking. <laughs> so, that, so, so that's that's that's. I guess that's the package. That's what I'm up to. Right on. And, and so, why why did you decide to write on this and this whole idea of stepping outside your comfort zone? Um, you know, why why did you choose that this was an important topic to write a book on? Yeah, so it's interesting. It came it came from a bunch of different sources. Um, so my first book, which was Global Dexterity, was about stepping outside your cultural comfort zone. And what was interesting is I is after I wrote the book, and which is cool when you write a book, you get a lot of feedback from people on, of course, assuming that it's you know friendly <laughs> and positive. <laughs> but it was for the most part, uh, so, you know, on LinkedIn or by email or whatever, or maybe at a talk or something. I got feedback about that first book about Global Dexterity that hey, these ideas about stepping outside your cultural comfort zone, they're actually applicable to stepping outside your comfort zone in general. Mm. And so when I heard that, that started to inspire me. I then started to sort of step back and say to myself, you know, I've struggled outside my comfort zone, like essentially my whole life, like in every single stage, at every single point, Mm. you know, whether it was, you know, after I uh, got my first job having to do more public speaking or networking or even in college speaking in class or whatever mm-hmm. it was I always struggled stepping outside my comfort zone it didn't stop me though but I always struggled with it so I think I was really attuned to it and then the final piece of it I think it's the final piece of the puzzle that kind of sealed the deal was that and I don't know why I didn't recognize this but I had actually been doing academic research on this topic for years. I just didn't call it comfort zone, uh, but I've been doing research. So along with a colleague of mine who's at Harvard Business School, we went to graduate school together. Uh, we had been studying managers performing layoffs and firing people, hmm. uh, doctors performing painful procedures on kids. These are pediatric physicians, um, police officers evicting people from their from their homes. So, so I've been kind of in the muck of understanding what the challenges of stepping outside your comfort zone were, you know, from a research perspective. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. This is all the same stuff. And so it, it inspired me to write the book. Right on. Well, why don't we just dig right into it? You know, when we when we look at it, why is reaching outside of our comfort zone so damn hard? Like we've all heard the motivational quotes about it. If you're on Instagram, you've seen it all the time. You know, we all want to <laughs> grow and we all know that to grow, we have to step outside of it. And yet we don't. Why is it so difficult to step outside of our comfort zones? Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I think it's true. If you, go to, if you go to Instagram or if you Google comfort zone, in fact, that was one of the first things I did when I started writing the book. I was just curious. I Googled comfort zone and you see comfort zones get a really bad rap. You know, mm-hmm. like nothing good lives in your comfort zone or, That's you know, weird. life begins on the edge of your comfort zone or whatever it is. <laughs> You know, and, and I and, and, and as an aside, and I'll get to the question of why it's hard, but I also, and this is sort of connected to that, I definitely don't want people listening to this to think to themselves, oh my gosh, you know, I have to start jumping outside my comfort zone in every possible situation now. And, you know, that is not my message. Hmm. Um, I, I think you need to pick your spots. Um, you know, I, I think it's absolutely worthwhile and you can, you'll probably surprise yourself at, at what you're able to achieve, but you do need to pick your spots. So, um, in terms of why it's hard, I found in, in, as we sort of hinted at earlier, I studied this in a, with a lot of different people in a lot of different professions in a lot of different circumstances and beyond the professions I just mentioned, you know, I talk with entrepreneurs, I talk with small business owners, executives, managers, students, teachers, rabbis, priests, even a goat farmer, you know, like, <laughs> Like lots and lots of people. So, so the challenges, uh, authenticity. 
big challenge. You know, the feeling that you know th- this this isn't me. Remember, you're stepping outside your comfort zone. You're doing something that's unnatural that you're not used to, and that can create a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, a- another another big challenge, um, likability. What if what if they don't like this version of me? You know, again, you're not used to it. Whatever it might be, let's say you're trying to be more assertive than you're used to. What if, what if what if people hate me? What if people think I'm a jerk? What if they don't like me? Now these are these are psychological reactions. These aren't necessarily logical. They're mm-hmm. psychological in a sense, right? And they can they can they can hold you back. Uh, another challenge: competence. What if I'm bad at this? You know, and chances are you're not going to be fantastic at something outside your comfort zone at first. What if I'm bad at this? And and, and furthermore, what if people see that I'm bad at this? Right? There's a public uh, yeah. and a private side to that. So, uh, and by the way, if we just stop there, just those three. That's a lot to, to cope with, right? <laughs> Authenticity, feeling like this isn't me, likability, worrying that people won't like this version of you and competence, but there's more. Um, sometimes people feel resentment. Hmm. You know, wh- why do I have to do this in the first place? Like, like I get it that I have to do it, but I am frustrated about the fact I have to do it. So, for example, <clears throat> I spoke with, I've spoken with a lot of introverts um, in, in, in um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like between introvert and extrovert, I'd say, but I've spoken with a lot of, a lot of introverts. And, and I have to say that, you know, corporate America uh, is, is, is kind of biased towards extroversion in a way, right? Like, like introverts will tell me, you know what, uh, I'm at my company and it seems that I'm not getting the best opportunities because I'm not able to make small talk with my boss very well. Mm. And I and I notice my colleagues are able to do that and chit chat and schmooze and hang out on the golf course, whatever it might be. And I'm actually just as qualified or probably more qualified than those guys, but, but I'm not getting those opportunities because I can't step outside my comfort zone and make small talk. And so that person... Would, in that circumstance, could feel deeply resentful about the fact they have to do it in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so there's that sometimes, and then finally, morality. That's the last one. Um, I didn't find this all the time, but I, but I certainly found enough evidence of it. Like, for example, um, I opened my book Reach with a story of a, a young woman who had to fire her best friend from her startup, and she felt she felt uncomfortable in multiple levels, and one of them was morality. She felt deep down she was doing something wrong or she was worrying that she was so so the bottom line here is that you're not going to experience every one of these challenges every time you step outside your comfort zone but even one of them in 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 often people experience more than one can make it really hard and in fact can stop you from even trying yeah it's very interesting and you mentioned something at the very beginning there that i really thought about and you mentioned it closer to the end of the book when you start talking about some of the myths but the myth that to grow, you have to step outside your comfort zone. And you say that's just not true. Can you maybe talk to us a little bit about that? Because it kind of flies in the face of, you know, belief that we've all had that in order to grow, you know, Andy, we have to step outside of our comfort zone. If we're not stepping outside of our comfort zone, we're not growing. We're not accomplishing anything. But you're saying that's not true. Maybe talk a little to, uh, a little bit about that. Well, I, I should clarify. Um, I do think that's true, but I think that there are limits and that there are times and places and circumstances for that. So, you know, if you're stepping outside your comfort zone in every possible situation, you're probably not going to succeed, right? You need psychological resources. You need the ability to do it. It's not as easy as snapping your fingers. It's not as easy as, you know, there's a meme on the internet that I love, just because it's so visual, of a fish jumping out of a fishbowl. You've oh, probably yes. seen it before. Yeah. You know, and, and it's often connected to comfort zones. Mm-hmm. But 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 and it's a nice it's a nice image. But what's 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 
What's missing from that image is all – now, this is where the metaphor breaks down because I don't think fishes have the <laughs> level of cog cognition that we have. But what's missing, if you can imagine the metaphor for a second, what's missing there is all the thinking and planning and strategy and courage that is required for that fish, mm -hmm. metaphorically speaking, to take that leap, right? And so it takes a lot of effort and, 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 and energy, frankly, um, and, and sometimes planning to do it. And so if we're – you know, that's why I really believe you need to pick your spots. It's much better to focus on, you know, a single situation at a time, something that's meaningful, something that's challenging to you, mm -hmm. and then really try to work on trying to step outside your comfort zone in that situation. And my guess from what I've seen, and I've seen this in my book, I've seen this from interviewing, I also have created training where I see people actually doing this firsthand. And you'll surprise yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And when you surprise yourself and you realize you're actually better at this than you thought, then you start to develop a series, uh, a little bit more confidence and also a series of tools that you can apply to other situations. But I don't, so, so I guess what I'm saying is that yes, to grow and learn and develop, you need to step outside your comfort mm -hmm. zone, but it takes a lot of effort, a lot of planning, and so you need to pick your spot. So that, that, that's, mm. that's my view, that's my view. Great takeaway, great takeaway. So in the book, you dedicate a whole section to our amazing capacity to avoid difficult tasks. This whole idea of avoidance. Why is avoidance such a big problem today? Why do we do this? Why do we avoid the difficult tasks? Oh, because it's it feels good, right? It's relief. <laughs> that's why, right? Maybe, maybe short term, maybe short term. <laughs> exactly. And that's the problem. It's a short term, long term deal, right? So like, you know, you, 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 um, you're a small business owner and, uh, and you know that to get your best clients and customers, you really need to network and have mm -hmm. those one-on-one -on -one conversations in a sort of a public get together, but you're uncomfortable doing that. You're uncomfortable <laughs> making small talk with people you don't know, and you're uncomfortable selling yourself and selling your business. So you decide instead, you know what, I'm just going to send out an email blast or I'm just going to post on Facebook. And th mm. those aren't inherently bad ideas, but but they're, they're an example of avoidance. And so mm -hmm. the problem with avoidance is that um, in the short term, you do get that relief. But, I mean, certainly it doesn't make whatever you're avoiding easier the next time, right? Mm. <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, you're afraid of a snake and you avoid, you know, you avoid the snake, but... You know, great, awesome, relief. But then mm -hmm. the next time you encounter that snake, it's it's going to probably be even harder. And mm -hmm. you know, substitute the snake with with any situation that that you struggle with. And so that's the problem with avoidance. Um, you're mm -hmm. you're never going to grow. You're never going to learn. And you're also never going to learn about yourself and about your capabilities. And and that's a key thing because I find that when people are able to sort of take the leap and apply some of the tools that I talk about in my work to, to helping them, sort of supporting them to take that leap in, in, in having a degree of success. What happens is very powerful um, is, is that people start to learn something about themselves and their capabilities. You'll never learn about yourself and your capabilities if you don't try. And so that's the problem with avoidance. Yeah, and it's very interesting. So I know a lot of my, uh, a lot of our listeners out there who are listening, and you're in a sales role, and you're responsible for prospecting. This is something that we see all the time, where you got to pick up the phone first thing in the morning, and people say, "Ah, you know, Ryan, it's just, it's so difficult to pick up the phone. No one, no one wants to talk to me. No one wants to, you know, be interrupted. Nobody likes being cold called." Listen, I understand that, but the problem is. 
prospecting does work. Cold calls still work. Uh, you know, it spits in the face of an inbound content-driven world, but this old-school game of prospecting still works. So if you're in sales out there, avoidance of prospecting is a really big issue. And so this book here, to me, it really speaks to a lot of you sales folks out there who are responsible for business development, who are responsible for opening up new opportunities, who are responsible for prospecting. Stepping outside your comfort zone is such an important facet of what you do. And avoidance is something that you face every single day. And what Andy's saying there, you know, as far as it makes you feel good. Yeah, it makes you feel good today. But guess what? When you're looking at your numbers at the end of the quarter and, you know, your sales manager is looking at you saying, where, where you, where's your numbers? Why is the pipeline so empty? Maybe this is why. Maybe because you're having a difficult time stepping outside of your comfort zone. Maybe it's because you are avoiding this task. So, Andy, now I kind of want to break into a little bit more um, and help you tell us how we can successfully reach outside of our comfort zone by maybe talking about the three C's. And we'll go through the three C's maybe one by one. And uh, as we dig deeper into this, maybe we can start to make sense of, um, of, of how we can do this successfully. So in the first C, you talk to us about the importance of conviction and why it's important to have a deep sense of purpose. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, and it's interesting. As you were talking about sales, I was thinking exactly about conviction mm. because cause that's a great antidote when you're afraid of, of selling something or you're afraid of imposing on someone's time and being rejected and so on and so forth. What conviction is, is conviction is, in, and I found it really important across all these contexts for people stepping outside their comfort zone, having and discovering your deep sense of purpose, like why does this matter to you? Why is this meaningful, like at a deeper level? And sometimes it actually takes a little bit of time to kind of discover that, that the source of conviction that, that really works and makes sense for you. It's almost like giving yourself psychological permission to do something that's against the grain mm. of, 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 of how you'd want to act. And, you know, that sense of conviction can come from a lot of different places. It could be that you know you feel it's the right thing for you to do. It's the necessary thing for you to do. It will make you feel good about yourself. It will enable you to help others. For some people, it's their calling. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's a professional source of conviction. Uh, you know, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've always wanted to start my own business. It's my dream, and I know I'm going to have to do stuff that sort of is against the grain of my personality. But I really, really care about achieving this goal. That would be a professional source. It could also be personal. You know, maybe, maybe you've got kids and, and maybe you're coaching your kids outside their comfort zones just as part of your parenting style and, and you believe in that for your kids at, you know, at an age-appropriate level. And, and, and then you look yourself in the mirror and you say to yourself, you know, am I stepping outside my comfort zone? Am I, am I practicing what I right. preach? And if, and if being, a, being a, a father or a, or a mother is important to you in that role, maybe that'll be your source of conviction wherever it is wherever it comes from find it embrace it and use it and it's and it has to of course be authentic it can't be fabricated it has to be real but but um but that's it's really really powerful and and so that's the mm -hmm. first C. so when you talk about conviction so let's let's go back to that sales example um if you have a salesperson who's selling a product they're selling a service an offering and it's their job to do prospecting. It's their job to get out there and, and fill the funnel. And they're having a difficult time doing it. They're not necessarily scared to pick up the phone, but they're not exactly motivated to pick up the phone and, and, and make, those, make those hard phone calls. So is it because they're not, they don't believe in the product? They, they don't have that conviction? 
I always use this example in that if you had a cure for arthritis, would you not pick up the phone every opportunity you had to call you know, people who you believe have arthritis and tell them about, you know, your, your, your magical cure and not to say that there, there isn't one out there. I don't think there is, but just an example here. It's an anecdote. But if you had something that you knew could solve somebody's problem and you were so convinced of this, that's what you need to have in order to do the difficult task. So is that conviction? Is that maybe something that a lot of salespeople out there are missing in order to be successful in their jobs? Absolutely. I mean, that's a good example. I think of um, you know your conviction that 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 by by doing this task, sales in that case, or prospecting, or putting getting people into the funnel mm-hmm. by by doing that task, you're actually helping them. Mm-hmm. You 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 know that whatever you're providing has real value, and it doesn't have to be as extreme as solving a you know important medical problem right. it could be so you know I, I think any 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 product or service should be solving an important problem right? right it doesn't have to be a life and death problem but it should be solving an important problem and if it's not maybe you need to go back to the drawing board and find a mm. find a product or service that does you know but but having that deep conviction in what you're actually um selling and maybe not even thinking of it as selling for some people selling has a bit of a connotation to it you know what i mean maybe it's introducing people to that product that Mm -hmm. they don't know about which could actually really help them that's a bit of a different frame but whatever it is finding a way you know um finding a way to to um to give yourself that sense of purpose that meaning connected to the task that you're doing so that on uh, from one perspective yeah it's outside your comfort zone but you're really doing it for a purpose that's meaningful to you and that's the wind at your back and so that's one of the tools that you can do to make it a little bit more you know uh, palatable in a way to nudge yourself if there's door a and door b and door a is eh, i don't think i'm gonna make that call <laughs> and door door b is okay i'm gonna make this call you know you're trying to nudge yourself to door b that's right absolutely In the second C, you talk to us about customization and finding your own personal way of performing your task. Talk to us a little bit about customization. Yeah, customization was one of the most, uh, I guess, surprising slash exciting things that I found. It was, it's really powerful. And the idea of customization is there's no one size fits all way of doing anything any situation outside your comfort zone. You're able to tweak and customize and personalize a situation. And there are a lot of different levers you can use and it can be subtle, but 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 the point here is to make it feel just a little bit more comfortable for you. So in some cases it might be adjusting, changing, adapting a certain kind of body language. Sometimes it might be the words that you use, literally certain language that you use that makes you feel a bit more comfortable doing whatever that sort of semi to pretty intolerable task requires. Uh, It might be the timing of what you're doing, that you can manipulate or play with the timing a bit. Sometimes it's the context. The context that you're in, you might have some power to sort of stage it or uh, impact it. And then finally, sometimes it's a prop like a like an actor brings a prop on stage. Sometimes you can use a prop to customize. I'll give you a couple of quick examples just to kind of put to flesh it out. I got a, this is actually not from the book because it, it was from an email, someone who, a reader who loved the book uh, sent me and hmm. she said that the book really helped her uh, learn to make small talk at, at get to, social get togethers. And she was sort of shy, uncomfortable, awkward, and, and never really had a 
way to kind of initiate conversations. She had this epiphany after reading the book that she could customize, and the way she customized was actually she happened to like photography, and she had this idea to bring a selfie stick to parties. Oh. And so, yeah, she li- she had a selfie stick. She loved to use it. She brought it to parties. She would have it there. Someone would say, oh, what's that? And she would say, oh, it's a selfie stick. And they'd say, oh, cool, because m- most people have heard of a selfie stick, but fewer people know how it works. And and so she would sa- she'd say, oh, can I see your cell phone? I can show you. And then she would show them. And by the way, pause right here. This is very different from what it used to be for her, right? <laughs> right there. And then you can imagine the conversation continuing and multiple conversations and maybe emailing photos and so on. It absolutely changed her experience. So that's a, a, huh. a, an example of what very I mean by good. customizing. There, I mean, I have so many examples of this, but that's the idea. And so you, can, you have more power than you think to tweak a situation. That is very interesting. So... It really, and again, when I read the book, it was a very interesting tactic to use in order to help you step outside your comfort zone. Everyone has something that might help them warm up to a specific situation a little bit better. And when I look at my own example, uh, prospecting is tough. Like, I'll go back to the prospecting example because it's top of mind right now. We're just talking about it. But when I prospect, it's very difficult for me to prospect because I like face to face. You know, when I get somebody on the phone, it's, they can only hear my voice. They can hear the tone in my voice, you know, a friendly voice, what have you. But I like, I like facial expressions. I, I, I like to see, I like them to see my face. And I always feel that that helps. So one of the things that I did to help me prospect was I create videos. I create videos and I send them, send them by email. And I've noticed that my click-through rates are higher. Um, I've noticed my response rates are higher. And I feel a little bit better when I contact them afterwards because I'm like, well, if I see that they've seen my face, I feel a little bit more comfortable about calling them and maybe being a little bit more friendly with them. And so for me, when I prospect, I also have different language. And I kind of move away from my salesy type of approach of language and I have more of a personal tone to it. Um, I like to know a little bit about them personally and I like to include a little bit of uh, personalization in the message. So for example, if I go to their Facebook and I find out they're a fan of, you know, the the uh, New York Rangers, you know, then I'll call them the day after the New York Rangers win. I'll be like, hey, you know, uh, Gary, Brian here from Company XYZ. By the way, before I, uh, I get into it, I just want to say what a win yesterday, hey, from the New York Rangers, like crazy game. But anyways, the reason I'm calling you is because XYZ and it just, it helps me approach it in a more personable fashion. And that's how I more or less customize my approach when it comes to prospecting. Just as your example there, when it comes to networking, it's just, you know, it's kind of her icebreaker. It's how she warms up to the situation a little bit better. Um, so I think maybe it would be great, maybe if you have one more example that you could share with uh, with the listeners, I think that'd be great because I think that this is a fantastic takeaway and something very tangible that everybody can put into practice right away. Yeah, there's so many. Those are great examples, by the way, yours. I, I really like those. Um, so, so, I mean, gosh, so many examples. So just popping into my mind, public speaking. Mm. That's something that a lot of people are very uncomfortable with. You know, and so how do people customize with public speaking? I'll tell you how I do it. For years, I used to wear a special ring. It was a ring that my, uh, the stone in the ring is a tiger's eye stone. It was a stone that my great uncle found on the beaches of the South Pacific in World War II. Hmm. Um, it, it, it was, he was in the Navy. Uh, I always saw, he came back and had that stone, he brought the stone back, had it made into a ring, and I always admired it as a kid. 
and, and then eventually I inherited it. And, 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 I, and when I started out in my career I, about 20 years ago, I was very uncomfortable public speaking. I, I was scared. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I was afraid of all sorts of things. Um, and, and, and so I started wearing the ring. And, and, I, and it always represented courage to me just because of how he acquired the stone. Right. Uh, from and, and, and it just gave me that little tiny boost where I was thinking, gosh, I'm scared of this, but I'll bet you he was scared on that boat, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, and, and, and I, I could probably handle this little talk I have to give. So, so that's nice. an example. I'll give you one other example about public sure. speaking. I always come early when I speak in public. I, if I can, I always come early. Mm-hmm. I come early to see the room. I come early to try to meet a couple of people because if I meet a couple of people, and then I'm public speaking in a, in a group of 20, 50, 100, 500. Then I'm not speaking to sort of a nameless, faceless, mm. quote-unquote, scary crowd. I'm speaking to a couple of people who I've actually already met. And, and I, uh-huh. I, I always use that tactic. And it, it, nice. abs- it absolutely makes me feel more comfortable and enables me to step outside my comfort zone. Now, public speaking now is something that I'm much more comfortable with. I, you know, I, I do keynote speaking and stuff, but, but, it, but, but, but I've, I still use some of these tactics. So, so that's an example. Those are great examples. I also like to arrive nice and early to the, the venues, and I always like to shake hands and talk to people and get very um, comfortable with the room, with the people in the room, understand sort of who's, who's there, who's going to be listening, and sort of get myself out there, get myself in the mood of, or, or, or sorry, in the mode of, uh, of communicating and connecting with them. And then that, when I get up on stage, it's like, well, now I'm just having a conversation with you. I've already talked to you. You know, it kind of takes the veil away between the two of us or between myself and the audience. Um, I really like that example. So for anybody out there who has to do any public speaking, that's another great way to customize. It's fantastic. I love that. So in the third C, you talk to us about the importance of clarity and an honest perspective. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So let's 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 kind of stay with public speaking. <laughs> uh, so so what clarity is 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 I as I as I, I found when 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 working with and also absolutely interviewing people and stepping outside their comfort zone. A lot of people in scary situations that where they feel uncomfortable do what psychologists call catastrophizing. They think of the worst possible case and they almost <laughs> might even they might they might even implicitly assign a very high probability to that very unlikely case. In other words, public speaking, I'm going to look like a total fool and I'm going to faint on stage. And by the way, there's about a 97% chance of this happening. And oh my God, I am terrified, right? So, so, oh, or sometimes people go vacillate to the other extreme, it's sort of like waves in a stormy sea. They vacillate to the other extreme to, you know, I'm only speaking and this is only worthwhile and I'll only be successful if I'm the best TED talker ever. You know, despite the fact that I, you know, am a novice speaker and haven't even spoken much in my life. So, 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 so the point with clarity is trying to sort of capture the more even-handed. It's almost like if we use the ocean as, as, a, as sort of a metaphor, it's the anchor in the ocean that will sort of um, like like keep you grounded in that movement and vacillation between worry and unrealistic expectations. So the ability to say, you know what, I'm, 
I probably won't be the best TED talker, and I also probably won't faint on stage. You know, <laughs> it'll it'll be fine. You know, I'll probably have some high moments, some lower moments, and I'll bet you I'll learn a lot and I'll do better next time. And I found that people who were able to kind of embrace and capture that sense of clarity were more successful mm-hmm. in stepping outside their comfort zone and in taking the leap. Yeah, how do you do that though? I mean, when I, when I know a lot of people when they again will stick with public speaking, when you're going up on stage or if you're doing a presentation. You know, you're prepping the night before. In your mind, you're going through every example, and they always say that what what your um, your mind and your imagination is the greatest storyteller of all time. And usually, it's you know they're writing horror stories. And uh, and, and and I guess you know how, when you're in the thick of it, and you're nervous, and you know you're feeling anxiety, and maybe you're even at Toastmasters, and you know you got to go up there and you got to give your speech. How do you take yourself out of that at that moment in time? And achieve that clarity, that honest perspective. Do you have any advice for people where they might be in that position right now where they have a big presentation, but they need that clarity? But Andy, I I don't have that clarity because I'm too nervous and all I see is anxiety and these horror stories. How can you help them? Yeah, so so I think a lot of the work is prep, prep work. Uh, both prep in terms of prepping for your talk and also prepping in terms of the clarity. So I think that in the moment, it's virtually impossible to sort of like reason yourself, you know, in a high anxiety moment to reason yourself to a point of clarity. I think the key is to work on it beforehand and to try to, um, try to therefore have a it's okay to by the way to have some anxiety when you go in to give a talk i mean it's normal in fact there's a there's a um there's a level of anxiety that's actually quite functional right Mm -hmm. because actually that that's what happens to me to be honest (laughs) um i funny as we're talking about this in about an hour and a half i have to go give a speech (laughs) oh boy (laughs) And, and uh but i'm so used to it now that i don't even need to prep but and it's funny because i actually like the person emailed me earlier today and asked me if i wanted you know anything I wanted, you know, in 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 preparation or whatever. I said I needed a diet coke. <laughs> like, like I needed, like I needed. So I actually need some caffeine to like get myself to the point where I have some, you know, not anxiety, but at least some adrenaline. Uh-huh. You know, so, but but I think for the key is to get yourself into a mode when mm-hmm. you're speaking so that it's not too high, it's not too low, but you have some anxiety. And mm-hmm. so a very concrete suggestion I would have for people beforehand is to take a piece of paper out. Uh, to write, almost fold it like an old school letter, like three sections. And in one section, write um, my best case, ideal, perfect scenario. Mm. And the next, in the middle, write my worst case, absolute disaster scenario. And then below that, write my middle range scenario. Mm. And then actually sketch out what you think those scenarios would be. Like literally write them down. Interesting. And then after that, Assign a probability of that happening from hmm. zero to a hundred, <laughs> <laughs> and I will bet you that that will be a very helpful task for you. Not only to be able to actually articulate it, but to assign those probabilities. And that's, it, I think, through that task, people start to develop that sense of clarity and perspective. Absolutely, absolutely. And I always felt that too. Just my own personal growth, I felt like clarity did come over time, and and. and you know, if you do have to step outside your comfort zone and do things that make you a little bit uncomfortable, like even joining Toastmasters when I was younger, that made me feel really uncomfortable. But I knew, I had the clarity to say, listen, I know that I'm uncomfortable and I know that it's normal. I know that 
there's a lot of other people who are terrified of this and I'm not alone. I look at my peers in the room and I know that they're nervous. I know they have butterflies. I know that their hands are sweating and you know they're having dry mouth. That's okay. And it's okay because that's why you're here. You're here to get better. And people might feel that way if they have an interview. You know, if they have an interview for a new job, well, you know, I, man, I'm nervous. What if I do this? Or what if I do this? Yeah, well, guess what? Everybody else probably has that same type of worry. But the more you do things too and realize that, you know what? I know I'm uncomfortable now, but if I keep doing this, I'm going to get better at it and I'm not going to be as nervous at it. And just as, as yourself, you know, you look at yourself when you said, when you first started off doing public speaking, you were nervous, you were, you were, you were perhaps a little bit anxious about it, but now you have a public, you're, you're doing a speech in an hour and a half and you're talking to me still, you know, you're not sitting there prepping for it. It's just now you've done it so many times that it's become second nature to you. And I think some of that honest perspective too in that yes I'm starting something new yes it's going to be uncomfortable but the more I do it the better at it I'm going to get and the more comfortable at it I'm going to be and you know that's another type of perspective that you can bring to it yeah it's tough now but it won't always be that way perhaps yeah no absolutely and I think that's over time I think that that's absolutely the case. It's, I think it's actually also really important uh, to, if you're trying to master a task and learn to step outside your comfort zone to keep a diary uh, mm. to, and, and I have people do that who I work with because I, I think sometimes we forget the and we forget to see the progress that we make. So oh, yeah. it's as if you're learning to you're, you're let's say you're trying to to trying to to run a, a race a 10k mm-hmm. and, and 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 it's and, and you're able to run you know a mile in 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 15 minutes the first day and then over time you get to a mile in 11 minutes and you're thinking to yourself at that point in time gosh it's 11 minute mile that's not really that good i mean it's okay <laughs> but it's not that good but then you look back and you see and you see that diary about how it took you 15 minutes initially and you were like dying and oh, yeah. you know and, and now look where you are and i think that we often forget uh, sort of where we came from and where we yes. were and, the, and to appreciate the progress we made and, and, and I don't know how good your memory is mine's terrible <laughs> so that's that, that's why I, ha- I always write things down and encourage people to do the same oh I'm so happy you brought that up so happy because I totally forgot about this but one more story then we'll move on to the last piece here but um, when I was when I was first started off and I, I opened up my own consultancy I had such anxiety that, you know, every time I had this big meeting, I'd sit on the plane and I'd be so nervous and, oh my God, I just, I don't know what to expect. I I fear the unknown and I hope this goes well and what if it doesn't and what if I don't close the deal? And then all of a sudden, for some reason, one day when I was on, on on the plane, I thought to myself, you know what, Ryan, you've thought like this a lot before and every single time you've thought like this, things went really well. You closed the deal. You got the project. You know, you made a really good client or a, a really good friend that turned into a client. And so I wrote, I had a, a post-it note. So I wrote down on that post-it note all the examples of times where I was very scared, very nervous about what happened and the result. And I just put a little bullet point in there just so that I would remember what it was. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, trip to New York, trip to Toronto, talking to media company, trip to this, uh, proposal for this. And then eventually, after I landed and I had that meeting, it was great. Then I pulled out that sticky note again and I wrote it. And I kept this sticky note in my wallet and it just got older. And as I kept writing on it and it kept filling up and filling up and I ran out of space until I looked at the sticky note and there was maybe about 30 or 40 different examples on there. And at that point, I just crumpled it up and said, come on, Ryan, you got this, man. Like, you got this. Look at this. 40 different pieces on here over the past two years. I go through every single one. It's like, 
don't be nervous anymore, man. You got this. And after that, it was just, I didn't need, didn't need the diary. You know, my diary was a sticky note that I kept filling out. But it was a constant reminder of where I've been to give me perspective of how far I've truly come. And so I'm so happy that you brought that up because that was something I did to just help me get through some of those tough times, those anxious moments in my life. And, um, you know, when you brought up that diary, I, I completely agree. And I would very much recommend everybody um, uh, follow Andy's advice there and definitely start diarying your progress because it's so, so important to do so. Yeah, and, and, and the other thing that's important, I think, about your story is is the idea that, that it's okay if, it, if, if, there's a, if there's a tool that you use like that, that eventually you outgrow. Mm. That's fine. That's what growth's about, right? You know, for all of us, think about how kids, you know, outgrow things, but, that they're, but at their stage where they are, they're really important for them, right? And we all do that in our lives, too. So I think that it's okay to have different tools and different strategies at different points in time that might only have an expiration date in terms of very usefulness, but to really leverage them when you when you need them. So the final golden nugget here, Andy. Uh, you know, we've talked about changing different behaviors and, and and picking up new tasks or new skills. But the question I have for you is, how do we make a new behavior stick? Like, what how, what kind of advice can you give to us to help us understand what it takes to make a new behavior stick? Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. I think it's really important. Um, I think frequency is really important. And if we're talking about sales, I don't think that's a problem. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about performing layoffs or something like mm. that, that's more of a problem. You know, that's that's you know, God forbid. I hope it's a fairly infrequent activity, right? <laughs> you know, but but sales or or public speaking or something like that. I think frequency is really important, right? Um, I also think that um, adopting a, uh, a an actual plan, you know, using some of the tools that we talked about and treating it as a as, as a as a as a plan it's sort of like we were talking about running a race like you know i know that i haven't done one of these but i know that there's the th something called like a uh, what do they call it couch to 10k or oh, couch yeah. to 5k yeah. right and so i don't think you know, I might be wrong, but I don't think that that literally means you get off your couch and run a 10K. <laughs> I, think, I think it's more that it's an implied process, right? right? And so I think that that's the same thing here, right? You want to give yourself, you, you want to give yourself milestones. You want to take heed of those markers. And when you've achieved them, celebrate those wins. You want to keep that diary. You want to apply the tools we talked about today that I feature in my book. You want to, um, uh, gosh, what else? You want to try to uh, adopt a learning orientation as opposed to what they call a performing orientation. The difference being that when you do slip up, when you do have, I guess, to use the analogy, when you do have that bad running day, I'm not a runner, but you know, when, when you, when you, when it, whatever, when you, I don't know, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm losing my steam here with the analogy, but, but whatever it is, that, that if you do have poor performance, that you don't make that as sort of a, 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 um, a, a testimonial about your own innate limitations, right? That, that you're a failure. Instead, you see it as learning. Failure, quote unquote, is data. Mm. And data is important for improving and learning, right? That's the perspective that you want to try to have. That when you slip up, when you have a mistake, when you don't get the deal, like you were talking about prospecting, when it just doesn't work, that, that, that yes, of course, you're going to be disappointed. But don't sort of treat that as a sort of a... Um, a, uh, a, a testimonial about your sort of innate inabilities to prospect. Instead, see that as data 
that's going to help you improve your process, right? Mm-hmm. And that's more of a learning orientation, and I think that's really key for helping it stick. So the combination of all those things, um, and really paying attention to it, you're not going to. I mean, there's 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 no real. Um, I don't. There's no real quick hit to stepping outside your comfort zone, and if there is, you've probably chosen probably too easy a situation. <laughs> you know, that's not truly outside your comfort zone, right? When you're picking a situation, don't pick something inside your comfort zone. Also, don't pick something in your, in what I would call your panic zone, like the absolute scariest thing. Pick something in your stretch zone. Something that's challenging, something that's meaningful, something that's important, but something that you have a gut sense that if you really apply these things, you'll be able to do. Mm, Absolutely love it. Everybody, that is REACH, a new strategy to help you step outside your comfort zone, rise to the challenge, and build confidence. My friend, Andy Malinsky, thank you so much. I'm so happy that we finally had a chance to do this podcast. It was an absolute pleasure having you on. If anyone wants to get in touch with you or um, get more information, how can they go about doing that? Uh, Yeah, so I have a website, uh, www.surprisinglyandymolinsky.com, A-N-D-Y-M-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com. Um, I have lots of stuff on there. I tried to create the website basically to be the kind of site that I'd want to visit. So it's nice. got all sorts of you know free goodies and and in in, in in articles and videos and tips and all sorts of stuff. I'm also pretty active on social, uh, LinkedIn. Please you know feel free to connect and check mm-hmm. me out there and Twitter and Facebook and and and, and and I love to hear from from folks. So 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 please uh, please uh, check me out. Definitely, everyone, get on LinkedIn, get on Twitter, Facebook, social media, whatever. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Andy, thank you so much, my friend. This was an absolute pleasure. Oh, thanks. I'm glad we finally made it happen. Likewise. (laughs) Thank you. All right, my friends. There we go. That's Reach, a new strategy to help you step outside your comfort zone, rise to the challenge, and build confidence by Andy Malinsky. Thank you so much for putting up with that crappy sound. I know it wasn't that great, but like I said, the content was solid, so I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, then please get your rating and get your review in, and I'll make sure that you get put into the draw for the MacBook Air next week, and best of luck to all of you. All right, my friends, that is a wrap. So I will be back here next week with a brand new book, brand new Golden Nuggets, an interview with an author, and of course, every single week, I'm just trying to bring you new information and save you a little bit of time. I hope you all have a fantastic week, a productive week, and I'll catch you back here soon. Have a great one. I love you guys. You have to become obsessed. Obsession is when you're out of ammo and you still run at the guy and take him out. Obsession is the thing that makes heroes. Motivation doesn't make a hero. Obsession keeps you up at night. Motivation doesn't keep you up at night, dude. So... How do you get there? I mean, do you get there by showing up every day and not quitting? And how do you show up every day and not quit? You have to become obsessed. 
I, I know everybody's looking for, hey, when did your life change? Look, it changes every day. Back to the obsessed thing. You know, you can either be like, do one or two things and try to balance the rest of your life, or you can be obsessed with your life and make sure you cram as much as you can into it. And it, and it didn't happen overnight. It's about get obsessed, be obsessed, stay obsessed, and then surround yourself with other people that are maniacs. And then you're going to stay focused on the task, get people around you that don't make excuses, get rid of people that do. And then you're going to be like, hey, we're going to Mars, dude, no matter what it takes, what it costs. And, and, and you got to keep feeding the dream, you know? And so that's what I've done, dude. I, like from eight years old, like eight, seven, eight years old, I've just been f- feeding the beast. And when I quit feeding the beast of my dreams and fantasies, when I quit giving them energy, what happened was my life went downhill. So by the time I'm 25, I'm broke, I'm wrecked, I'm spiritually bankrupt, I'm physically bankrupt, I hate myself. And then, but I didn't quit, you know, I, I just had to start rebuilding from zero. What went wrong was I denied the obsessions I have about, about the greatness that I believed was possible for me. And when I denied my greatness, my potential, my fantasies about the future, right? When I denied that, dude, you're, you're pushing so much energy down. I did what people say you shouldn't do, okay? I, I, I traded a negative addiction for, for work. So I have never met a super successful person that somebody hadn't labeled a work addict. Like, like when work becomes an addiction, dude, we got a, we got a problem with labels. You know, I remember my dad, my dad, he didn't have a problem with work. He said work is good. He said more work is better. He said lots of work is even better than that. And if you could get a whole bunch of people working together, you could actually accomplish something. Now, fast forward, you know, to to somewhere in the last 20 years, work became an addiction. Like, oh my God, you're a work addict. You're a compulsive work person. You're overachiever. You have problems in your life. I'm like, dude, the only problem I got in my life is that you telling me work is a bad, bad thing. The more I work, the better I am. The more I get accomplished, the happier I am. The more I work and the more accomplished, the better I feel about myself. I'm not trying to fill up a hole. I'm trying to reach my potential. So how do you get there? I mean, do you get there by showing up every day and not quitting? And how do you show up every day and not quit? You have to become obsessed.